you going, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimize Self podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I just wanted to give a shout out to the sponsors of the podcast, Dancing Beard Co. Now, Dancing Beard Co. are a Melbourne-based company that create products that will help nourish your beard or your moustache, depending on what you have. You might have both. They create beard balms and also beard oils. Now, if you want to get a hold of Dancing Beard Co., check them out at Dancing Beard Co. on Instagram or dancingbeardco.com. The balms and the oils are great, made out of organic and natural products. Your beard will not be disappointed. Now, guys, today's guest is a friend of mine who I have met down at the MMA gym that I train at, Renegade MMA in Kensington, near, right near Melbourne here. He's a great guy, great man. He's got an amazing story. He's a youth worker. He's a facilitator, a mediator, and a trainer. He's spent the best part of a decade working in the youth justice system in Australia. Now, he um, has an amazing story on top of that. He's a semi-professional fighter. He's a business owner. He's a husband. He's a father. He's an all-around great guy. And he is involved in something called the Chin Up Project, which he talks about a fair bit, which is a, uh, it's a youth initiative engaging young people in conversation about identity, violence, and relationships. I won't go into it too much now. He explains what the Chin Up Project is. He runs it with a friend of his, and they're doing great things together, helping young people come into adulthood and deal with, with a number of issues that, that can come about when you are trying to find yourself in this world. Amazing podcast. We talk a lot about martial arts, resilience, mindfulness, and um, I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you're enjoying it so far, give me a shout out, give me a review, give me a rating on iTunes, check me out on Instagram, optimize.self, leave a comment. I'd love to hear what people are thinking so far, and um, peace. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you, Bella. It's good, good to have you. yeah good to good to see you finally getting that sorted out and it's been a few weeks in the uh in the making now mm-hmm. i've been wanting to talk to you for a while um for people that are listening i train oh, a little bit of jiu-jitsu with you whenever you whenever you pop your head in but you know down at renegade it's a it's a good mixed crowd so there's plenty of uh striking and jiu-jitsu to be done so um before we get into anything, I just wanted to get you to just um, talk a little bit about like what you do currently, like you know what you're associated with with your Chin Up project. I wanted to kind of start off there. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, I'm kind of a I've got my finger in quite a few pies. Um, Chin Up project being one of those, which yep. is a, a youth organisation we started in September last year. Okay. Um, and it's an organization that um, runs workshops for uh, young people. Um, they tend, tend to be gender specific to either young men or young women, yeah. uh, where we unpack um, a range of uh, you know, conversation areas around identity, violence, relationships, yeah. uh, communication, resilience, kind of the foundations of, uh, and the cornerstones to young people kind of taking the journey to become kind of healthy happy young adults yeah so that's um that's probably the you know my main venture at the moment yeah um and how did you 
how did how did Chin Up Project come about? Because I know you do it with a with a friend or a partner. Mm. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, I've got a background in the youth justice system in Victoria. Um, my uh, co-founder and Chin Up Project, Dan Cocker. Yeah. Uh, we met in youth justice. Um, he we've both done about a decade each. Oh wow. Uh, working there for a number of different roles from um, youth worker. Uh, working the Raman unit to you know program support and design to um, I ran the violent offenders unit there for a couple of years um, yeah. uh, to you know managing to senior managing etc uh, a lot of consulting work and training as well uh, Dan used to run the young men's unit which is uh, up until the age of 16 so they're kind of really uh, and and to get there but before that age you need to have a pretty traumatic childhood and you know face a lot of challenges so we met through there and um, but it wasn't until we both left that we kind of got back together and our paths okay. crossed and we recognized, you know, alignment and values and, um, you know, from there kind of chin up was born. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, um, did you see like, uh, from the experience that you had of working in youth justice, was there like, was there holes in the, in like the system where you wanted to offer something that, that wasn't there? Is that how chin up? Yeah, that's pretty much spot on, actually. So we identified service gaps, and there was a lot of uh, good being done in the system. However, the system's gone undergone significant change, probably in the last ten years. Uh, you know, where ten years ago you might have found you know a place that really championed um, you know values of you know rehabilitation and uh, sponsoring positive change in young people. We're now it's shifted to Department of Justice and Regulation. It's uh, almost entirely punitive. Um, okay. And it used to frustrate me in, in conversation with Dan. Um, you know, we shared this that young people weren't uh, being addressed for any of the factors that led them to offending in the first place while mm. they're in custody. Then they would get out into the community, uh, back into the same world they came from. Uh, and, you know, the, the supports weren't in place. They didn't have the right tools. And the same patterns repeated, the cycles repeated, and they became more more and more entrenched in the system so chin up projects are coming together to help try and combat some of those issues and help provide them with some support okay so do you see do you see um youth like after they've been in in youth justice or in between or before they've gone there is it just a big mix of children that you and and youth that you talk to it's a uh it depends on the context under which we're engaged. Yeah. So um, there's a number of um, different kind of facets to what we do. Um, primarily, we're involved in high schools okay. um, under a, a body of funding called the School Focus Youth Service, which aims to engage young people who are at risk of, um, uh, you know, being disengaged from education for a number of circumstances of which, you know, contact with the justice system is certainly a large part yeah. you know suspensions um, also uh, violence but then also family factors family yeah. violence mental health uh, drug and alcohol issues um, but then uh, in some uh, you know alternative uh, areas we've been engaged in has been in the community yeah. uh, where we come under crime prevention grants and we work with young people who uh, uh, have received community dispositions or good behaviour bonds, bail orders, or they've, uh, you know, they've received, um, you know, parole coming mm. coming out of custody. So we work under a number of different, you know, banners in the community, but we've also taken our program 
actually into the custodial facilities so yeah. that's a um which is actually a really kind of opportune place to work with young people mm. when they're kind of free of the influences uh in their environment uh, in the community that kind of impact upon their you know offending yeah so that's a really good place to engage them so we yeah we work with young people right across the board yeah yeah wow um so the like you're really engaging in in conversation aren't you about if it's growing up to you know the troubles you find being a young man trying to find yourself in the world do you find is is conversation one of the main tools that you use with chin up project and engaging with everyone or is it just just one of many uh conversation and a concept that we coin as real talk which young people tend to relate to i'm sure yeah you know you you know just on the uh you know the sound of that it will probably resonate with you real talk it's you know kind of conversation free of stigma that's yeah. certainly a large part of it and we engender a dialogue uh within our groups that is free of judgment and free of um you know free of stigma and allows young people to have uh, a, a conversation um uh, the conversations that need to be had mm. um conversations uh are happening in a forum within our workshop that aren't often afforded in other places in the community um we're recognizing that there's a you know a breakdown uh in 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 our society that uh that once upon a time in our kind of ancestral past would have provided processes mm. for men to have conversations mm. Um, and to pa- a passing on of kind of mature masculine wisdom yeah and a passing on of um you know stories and kind of science through narrative uh that's a large kind of part of what we do essentially what we're offering is a um a, a framework where social learning can occur through sharing of our experiences the times that we you know made mistakes um the the things that we learned from um and in doing that we're not we're not providing as an authority mm. we're just experts in our own story mm. and where we came from uh so there's you know there's no power imbalance in our workshops yep. and young people really um when they get that and they they that when it clicks it's innate to them as humans mm. um and it becomes familiar and they start to take ownership and the ownership and then dialogue starts to occur yeah yeah it must be um must be a pretty powerful tool to 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 be able to see see that happen from um say like the start of start of the workshop to you know like the end of the hour or the two hours i don't know how long you spend with the kids in in one sitting but you mentioned before like you know you're a master at your your own story do you find people might or some some kids that have troubles that they feel like they're the only ones with their issues and once they find out other people have had similar issues in the past or they're currently going through it, it does that make it easy for them to open up about their own story so i uh i think you're right and um something that we uh, impress upon almost intentionally is uh with with the young people who we engage is to make ourselves vulnerable at the mm. beginning of the workshop by telling our own story um and that uh kind of then you know provides them almost with permission to do the same yeah especially us providing as kind of um you know figures of you know uh, mature masculinity and, mm. and young and um you know still young enough that they can 
um, relate to us. Mm. And when we tell our story and they hear the emotions, they might not relate to the story because everyone's got a unique story, mm. but the emotions that are associated with that story, they can relate to and we yeah. can um, develop rapport and um, then they can empathize and vice versa. Yeah, for sure. Man, it's pretty cool. Like, I think it's awesome that you that you've you found something that that needs filling you know like it, it seems like you know you've you've worked in the like you said the criminal justice system for a while like can you tell me a little bit about that world in the sense of of what it was what it was like working with with seeing young you know seeing young children with so many issues like it must be a pretty i don't know if it's traumatizing is is the right word but um, kind of touching and, and you know making I mean I, I think I'd feel quite quite humbled seeing that like and feel, I, I'd, it'd make me feel quite like you know that I had a, a, a very easy upbringing to seeing, seeing that stuff like what's that world like like you know working in working in that system um, I found the system uh, and you know the system uh, and the story and the situations like changed, and, and there were so many variables that impacted impacted upon it. So it's kind of hard to set. And I was there for such a long time; it's hard to kind of settle on, you know, mm. just a um, kind of a short kind of description of what it was like. But some of the things that I experienced were frustrating. Mm. Um, uh, you know, in particular, seeing the same young people come through the system um, without you know, the adequate supports to help break, break those cycles. Mm. Um, some of the uh, situations were extremely rewarding. So uh, when, um, you know, you did see tangible results and positive change occur, uh, even if they're small, like it certainly is in a Disney movie in there, mm. you know, um, the changes um, often weren't profound. and uh, But but sometimes they were, uh, you know, equally as... Um, you know, rewarding if, if I had some kind of investment in it. Yeah. Um, there were some pretty uh, inspiring stories um, uh, that I heard about how young people kind of overcame adversity and sometimes I, you know, I tried to put myself in them shoes, their shoes and I just couldn't. Mm. Um, so it was certainly a glimpse into, um, you know, a multitude of, you know, amazing stories in their own right um, and a lot of which I was quite privileged to share in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, certainly don't regret any of my time there, even yeah. the shittiest times, because they're all. It was. It's all part of kind of my evolutionary process, and, and you know, and myself. And I don't feel like I'd be in a position to uh, impart the kind of the the wisdom and the way I do with chin up if it mm. hadn't have been for those those years, mm. kind of formative years, almost working in the justice system. Yeah. The justice yeah. system. Um, how did you get in into working for the for the justice system? Um, it was actually pretty much by chance. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, um, and it was disingenuous in a lot of ways because I was it was at a time in my life where, um, you know, I certainly wasn't ready to be doing it. Mm. I was I took it more as a job because um, the job I worked like sucked really bad yeah, yeah. i was working for uh fox motocross um for a company called mons imports in north melbourne okay and uh, that was during the daytime uh, and you know I, you know the the term um you know working as applied 
fairly loosely in this context. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if that's what I was actually doing, but I spent a lot of time there and got paid for it. Yeah. Um, and I was bouncing at night time. Okay. Uh, and I hated both of those existence, and I certainly wasn't happy in my existence as a human being. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of things that I was struggling with. I was struggling with addiction at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, it was coming off the tail end of you know a pretty wild existence up until that point, where which actually led to me coming to Australia. Um, so I wasn't, you know, the um, you know, kind of the the template fit for someone to walk into, you know, green into that kind of work. Mm. Um, and I was kind of riding back and past it on my bike every day from work. And I spoke to um, some people at the job I was working at about it. And um, there's an old lady from Gisborne. Um, and, you know, she had had a pretty knockabout kind of life and we got on really well. Yeah. And she actually recommended that I... Um, like going and apply for a job there and I was like what are you crazy like that's that's <laughs> so not me yeah um, but I was kind of curious and I gave it a crack and I really honestly the even when I went through the inductions the six-week induction I was I was I still didn't feel like I belonged there at all that I didn't think I had value um to um to offer like the young kids because I thought well, what can I do if I'm like fuck up myself mm then there was there's one day in particular that um you know we're working with a young person that everyone that a lot of the other staff really struggled to to relate to in any kind of way and when he told a story it was it was kind of as if i was like hearing my story um so then i was in a really good position to actually provide some advice and some (laughs) wisdom and um i was certainly able to relate and to empathize with the situation um, and that was kind of one of the first times that I actually recognized that, you know what, that, that my life experience, mm. that maybe it wasn't, you know, worthless and maybe, you know, I have got value to add and to contribute and maybe, um, you know, people can benefit from my experience. So mm. that was kind of the start of, you know, a long process that's w- which now has evolved into me, you know, co-founding an organization which is based on, you know, experience or learning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, True. Um, do you mind touching a little bit on like when you were maybe in New Zealand? Because I don't, like I've been friends with you for, I've known you for a couple of years now since I've yeah. been back. How long have you been training at Renegade anyway? Just I wanted to chuck that in at the gym. Um, oh, I think I've been there about five years now. Yeah. I think I remember seeing you like I came down for a boxing class like three or four years ago with Raf. Yeah. I might have seen you there. But anyway, I've known you for a couple of years, but not not too personally and I've, I've always wondered what your you know kind of where you've come from a little bit and yeah. you know you just said you know you came you, you that's how you got involved with the justice system where mm. you were at um do you mind touching on a bit of your of, of your past no i don't yeah. mind so um i came to uh so it, it's actually interesting that we kind of started off at um uh, probably out of my we started off with me you know working into the youth justice system it was probably my graduation from my past yeah and a lot of ways um which is ironic when you think about it yeah um so yeah i came to australia to escape to escape um you know a life that um i wasn't um you know happy in there was certainly a lot of conflict in my life there was a lot of violence um i uh that year the year that i'm uh, so the year before i moved over it kind of culminated in you know a pretty significant incident where um 
me and some of the guys who I was hanging around with at the time uh, raided a uh, bikey grow house okay. um, for the second time within yep. about a month. Um, and we uh, <laughs> we got caught by them. Wow. Uh, and it was by virtue of one of the neighbors actually calling the police when they caught us um, that the police turned up that, you know, that we were kind of uh, saved in that instance. Because I, I feel like if they hadn't have called the police, that I probably wouldn't be you know, yeah. here having this conversation right now. Yeah. Um, so that's that's an indication of kind of the crazy existence I was living in yeah. in New Zealand. Behaviors like that and that kind of lifestyle was all symptomatic. It was all a reflection of uh, like a a deeper want to um, kind of seek out uh, my identity. But the things that um, I was grabbing and things that I was attributing to myself were they were false and they were. Um, they were pseudo versions of masculinity, things that um, I thought would attract other people to me, attract love, attract success, mm. happiness. Because um, I couldn't find them when I was looking for them around me. I just mm. couldn't. There, there was nothing there that I related to. Mm. I didn't feel like I was, you know, you know, val- valuable in that way or worthy of of much else. Um, so it was criminality. It was violence. It was. Um, all of the things now that when I'm working with young people, the young people I'm working with, I see them trying to attach those things mm-hmm. to themselves. Um, so it's really that that um, it, it's my past that allows me now to to recognise that in other young people and say mm. and try and uh, show that how the outcomes have been favourable for me when I've stripped those away and I've just kind of championed my true self and, and portrayed that and the and and the long-term good sustainable feeling that that comes with doing those things Mm. so now if young people can if i can be the person that i needed when i was a teenager when i was looking for something tangible to kind of mold myself model myself to if i can be that now for young people then i might kind of um circumnavigate some of those issues that i experienced that led me to come to australia yeah for sure yeah interesting um where does uh where does martial arts play into your into your life? Where did that come into play? Um martial arts so I actually uh started martial arts in New Zealand. Um and I started off uh training with a guy called Richie Hardcore who's um uh, quite a uh, well known figure in New Zealand, both in the martial arts scene but also actually in the kind of scene that I'm moving now, also in the hardcore uh, music scene as well. Yeah. Um but I wasn't I loved it and I and I got the rewards from it but um, my environment wasn't conducive with me being able to commit to anything at that time I certainly wasn't able to commit to anything at that time um, other than to my own self-interest so an opportunity presented actually just up the road from here in Seddon where um, you know I was making all these changes in my life and I was getting good feeling from them Mm. But one thing that was really missing was kind of the taking care of my body. So yeah. I was like, I was putting all the other things in practice. I was kind of seeking out some struggle and some challenge. Uh, and I picked up a business card up the road here at Advi, yeah, Jeans Cafe. And yep. It was Renegade card. Yeah. And this guy, this guy's name Jamie Murray, and it was kind of like, okay, this is it. And I called him, and that was, um, you know, four or five years ago now, and you know, a number of about seven or eight fights since, and. Yeah, you know, it's um, I guess where does it fit into my life? Well, it provides me with 
um, another sense of purpose yeah. provides me with meaningful social connection that I really enjoy um, it provides me with struggle and challenge and I think you know in essence those are the three kind of main ingredients that you know afford me happiness really yeah for sure yeah yeah I was under the impression that you were you started Muay Thai specifically back in New Zealand that's just my my assumption of 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 how you got into it because you you you're a Muay Thai fighter predominantly correct yeah I'd say that's yeah. that's that's true and I did you know it's true I did start it in New Zealand it's just not something I really followed through and there was a couple of times in between moving here and Renegade that I dabbled in other gyms I trained with um I'd gone to Richmond for a little while but you know it wasn't up until I signed up at Renegade that I was ready to commit to anything yeah yeah do you find um I've talked about this before but the battling through like the the hardships of like a class if it's a sparring class or you know a jiu-jitsu class do you find the the struggle that you do on the mats really does you know flow over into your daily life and assist you with with things that you might be having trouble with if it's some business meetings or you know like you know just dealing with day-to-day life issues that everyone has does 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 it assist you at all your, your martial arts training? it definitely assists me I don't, I'm not sure if it assists me in that capacity I've I've heard those uh, I've heard that it, that hel- it helps other people in those ways yeah certainly fighting for me is a metaphor for life yeah um, you know and there's so many like colloquial examples of yeah. that you know rolling with the punches you know yeah, your yeah. backs against the ropes all that kind of stuff um, I think moreover for me you know um uh, it, it provides a, another further opportunity to uh, kind of further my self-awareness, um, to learn things about myself. Mm. Um, to It certainly provides me um, discipline, um, which certainly flows over into my work life. Yeah. I, th- I think you know for me it's just it's it's just a critical ingredient and in, in, you know my overall success, which you know is intrinsically you know linked to you know business because mm. that you know that is happiness for me that is purpose and mm. you know it's also linked into family they all kind of intertwine mm. and i've just got at the moment i've just kind of got the balance right with all of them mm. yeah 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 um how many muay thai fights have you had i've had uh one k1 fight and i've had two professional muay thai fights yeah and one mma fight i've had two mma fights yep. um one um, was a bit of a hiding, but uh, <laughs> uh, and I've had uh, some uh, fights in another form of martial arts, which is uh, Kempo, which is you know four ounce MMA gloves and a gi. So did the Oceanians up in my last ones were Oceanians up in Sydney. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you deal with like? Because when I've done a few jujitsu comps. I think I, my mental game is probably the the, the lacking. Like I, I build it up a lot in my mind, and you know I get nervous. I'm my, the adrenaline's pumping. Sometimes I feel like I should just relax and have fun a bit more. Mm. It's just the way I do things. Sometimes I overanalyze everything. Mm. And for me, stepping on the mats and having a roll like a jujitsu comp, it's the the risk is nowhere near as high as a Muay Thai fight or an MMA fight. Like. How do you mentally for yourself prepare for for getting into the cage or you know into the ring? Yeah, I I do a lot of visualization in my life in general. It's something that I've learned to do probably over the last you know seven or eight years that I found that really helps me. Yeah, one way that helps is it reduces uh, um, it reduces uh, 
you know this kind of stimulus response I have to you know threats or or loss or um, you know things it's uh, yeah you know, it's a risks so if I play all, all those out of my head you know all the things that are going to happen along the way when they actually occur uh, you know the response that I have to those you know those various factors is 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 uh, more familiar mm. and then you know the anxieties um not often induced mm. okay um but i also induce uh i also visualize all the things going right and i play it like a movie reel over and over in my head again and again and again yeah uh, i find that really helps me um i'm really in tune uh to you know my triggers and and also recognizing the physiological changes that happen in my body that are like almost precursors to anxiety coming on yeah. or to um, you know negative self-talk. Uh, so when I recognize those and uh, I've got uh, you know soothers or counters for all of them, and okay. it might mean getting out of my head and into my body. So it might mean going and doing some stretching. It might mean doing some uh, breathing exercises. Yeah. It might mean getting that kind of highlight reel of um, my visualization and pushing play and playing the good stuff yeah. over and over and over. Uh, so I think that level of self-awareness really helps me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you use that away from obviously, away from preparing for a fight, do you use that in just day-to-day life as well? Yep. Yeah, yeah so... I, um, I'll do that if I've got a conversation that I need to have that's that's important. Um, I'll play that through in my head. Um, if I've got a big decision to make, I not only listen to my gut uh, and my intuitions and my heart, but I also listen to, uh, I also play out kind of all the, the, the um, uh, all kind of the, the probables that might occur and kind of, weigh them up so like, i use that kind of visualization a lot in my yeah life. yeah so would you use like for instance if you're preparing for a fight you look at the worst case scenario and would you be like how would i get out of that worst case scenario and would you play that through your head or because i'm trying to think like you know you don't want to you don't want to harp on those negative you know um, reenactments you're doing in your mind but you also want to know that they're there in case that does come up you want to know how to deal with it yep. so would you um would you visit those reenactments of worst case scenarios and then come up with a, a solution to how you can possibly you know get out of that situation if you're feeling rocked or whatever it is um what i do is i do allow myself to play that that reel through yeah i think that um that's an important part of it um and but at the end of it i reframe it so what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me if I go into a fight well I might lose and all my friends will be there you mm. know who, who are there to support me who have bought tickets so what's the f- worst thing that can happen then well they're still going to be my friends and mm. they're still going to love me mm. so I, I start reframing mm. kind of each of those and at the end of them they're all they're all positive mm. I guess one of the biggest learnings for me in martial art was when you know I had my professional um, mixed martial art debut up in Gold Coast yeah the um, I watched that fight. Bad, yeah, it got the piss bend out of me um, and I lost. And I think that was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me in terms of the context of my life and yeah. of my training because uh, it really kind of put into perspective, um, you know, why I do it and and um, 
you know, I guess that was the worst case scenario. Like, kind of broke my orbital, broke my hand, <laughs> I got my face smashed in. And, yeah. Um, you know, there was so many learnings in that. But at the end of that, well, what was waiting for me? Well, my wife was waiting for me. My kid was waiting for me. They both loved me. You know, nothing yep. changed there. Um, there was admiration. You know, my coaches, um, you know, were all gathered around me. Raf was there when I walked out, you yep. know. Um, and, and so though that's that's the worst possible scenario so i know that if i lose that that's what's waiting for me at the end of it and yeah. i'll learn yeah know? for sure yeah cool um so i wanted to like i wanted to ask you this question before when we we're talking a bit about your past and you mentioned that working in the justice system was a bit of your graduation from your past was there a moment at all there where you were like where you realized your life was turning around for the better and you had a bit of an aha moment or you were like had some clarity of like, well, I'm onto something good here or was it just a, a gradual thing and you found yourself in a situation where you were, you know, kind of happy with things and you're doing well? Mm. I haven't thought about it, but um, I, I, yeah, I haven't thought about if there was, if there's a reference point that I could go back yeah. to now and say, that that was a moment that I knew. Yeah. One, there is some probably there's some probably um, yeah there's some there's probably some indications along the way of you know times where you know I had those types of feelings, but uh, and one would be, um, and it was a real precursor to you know change in my life as I did a year completely sober off everything. Yeah. And it really had to happen, and that's when. I actually met my wife. Yeah. That's when it happened, um, and it was kind of at the, it was at the culmination of that. At you know, twelve months. Really. That that was probably you know what I've, I've actually probably for the first, I think that might be the first time in my life that I set myself a long term goal, that was related to, um, you know, kind of bettering me as a person mm. and actually accomplished it. So I think that's that's probably a uh, you know a bit of a, uh, you know, a hallmark of yeah. you know. Uh, you know my graduation or my coming of age or yeah my, yeah I think that was a pretty pivotal moment that's awesome mm. good stuff um so now you're you know what you're doing with chin up project and you're a father as well you're a husband you're a semi-professional fighter you're a business owner like I mean you just went through a few things that how you manage you know your your mental game and I mean how how do you find the time to do all this? Like, do you have a good good system of managing? You know, your diaries. I know I'm getting into a bit of the nitty gritty here, but I find it quite like, for me personally, I find it. You know, it's very impressive because everyone lives a busy life, and you know, some people struggle to 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 diarize and maintain a, a you know a kind of balance with it. Or, but you mentioned before that you found quite a good balance with what you're doing. Like, yeah, can you touch on a bit of that process of how you navigate it all? I'm really intuitive, so a, a lot of what I do is based on intuition over kind of rationale. So, okay. um, it, I, I really kind of go by feeling. Like if I feel that something uh, is lacking or something is needed, or um, leaning too much to the left and need to lean back a little bit more to the right, I'll do that. Um, and I'm really um, blessed that I've got uh, a relationship with my wife that um, kind of. Uh, affords that also so we're quite in tune you know because she's also managing being a um, you know a fighter and yeah. director of a company and a mother yeah um, 
so within our family unit there's kind of a lot of you know ebb and flows and kind of yin and yang and mm. kind of push and pull so um yeah i think a lot of it's intuitive man to be honest yeah, yeah. and um uh if and, and uh, i guess in the essence of what allows me to do it is that i'm passionate about everything i do yeah yeah so nothing feels like a chore yeah um you know my, my work doesn't feel like work um my uh you know I want to train. I want to train hard. I want to challenge myself. So when you when there's harmony in terms of uh, how all those things are working in with your you know your life and your and your well being, then it, and I, I guess it just becomes kind of more natural and you can kind of take it in your stride. Yeah. More so yeah, it's awesome. Um, so with uh with what some other things and tools you use with with the Chin Up Project, you use a, a lot of physical you know, exercise and you do a little bit of martial arts with the with the kids, yeah, or the youths. Is yep. that right? Yep, absolutely. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways we work. Um, the martial arts, you know, I really want to combine, you know, my two, yeah, you yeah. know, two great loves. And um, martial arts is such a powerful modality for uh, experiencing, um, experiencing the, the content that we're, you know, imparting through Chin Up. And um, we... Uh, explore uh, violence and drivers of conflict through, um, you know, focus mit drills and high intensity interval training. Yeah, um, taking uh, young people uh, through, uh, you know, a bit of a exercise to uh, explore the physiological changes that are happening in their body, uh, what adrenaline does uh, to their ability to make decisions, and. Um, having creating some awareness over their bodies so when they can recognize changes uh, that kind of uh, come before violence and preempt them mm. and provide them with strategies mm. um, other tools we use uh, in some of the other sessions we use some psychodrama which is to help uh, psychodrama you know, what's that um, so they're, they're essentially empathy role plays yep. so we'll often uh, an, an example might be we'll have a young person uh, sit and we'll have two chairs facing one another. We'll have a young person sit in one of the chairs and pretend to be their parent. Yeah, um, and we'll interview them as their parent about themselves. Okay, yeah, um, which is really powerful. <laughs> you know, mm. we um, an example would be we had a young African guy um, just up the road here, um, and after that session, um, he told us he went home and for the first time in his life, he was 18 years old, he cooked. Uh, first he cleaned the house Wow! he made uh, dinner for his seven uh, brothers and sisters and he cooked dinner for his mum and that was the first time he'd ever done that and he yep. talked about um, you know how he experienced that the emotions that were good yeah. that were, were attached to that so they're really powerful those role plays um, we we do a lot of uh, kind of individual and group work uh, a lot of it's discussion based yeah we use a multimedia platform, which is a bunch of video interviews we've shot with kind of attainable pro-social role models, yep. guys who've been there and done that, um, some people who you would know from the gym, yep. uh, and they talk with retrospect about their, their journey and their story and provide some some advice retrospectively back to their teenage Yeah, self. yeah, true. Yeah, so those are some of the tools we use. Do you find the physical stuff is quite effective, like doing focus pad work and if you're going out doing sprints or stuff do you can you notice a, a change in the kids from just solely the physical yesterday i had a group in craigieburn and their 
um, a group I think within that group they've been suspended about 40 times this year yeah. um, and uh, you know the real kind of pointy end of you know the the spectrum in terms of uh, where they're at in their, in their life and which way they could go mm. um, yesterday I ran uh, ran a session with them with the boxing gloves and um, halfway through the session I stood back and I went and stood next to the teacher uh, the well-being teacher and we just watched them yeah. and there was, you know, young people haven't been able to be engaged in, you know, education. Their, their focus has been all over the place, if at all. And, you know, for about five minutes, we just stood back and they just taught each other. Mm. And they were 100% focused on what they were doing. And they were, you know, slapping hands. And mm. that's like just such a, um, a raw indication of how powerful it is as mm. a, you know, man, modality for this stuff and for change. Yeah. Um, like, I really believe in it. And, um, you know, I'd like to as kind of a move forward to you know try and provide more opportunities for young people to experience that could there ever be any opportunity for some some young kids and guys and girls that might show potential in being like good athletes or being you know they could want to be a, a box and do boxing or muay thai or get into some jujitsu or something because is there room in the future for them to be able to like you know that them to potentially go down that path through through kind of what you you've shown them and because i know you coach a little bit you coach muay thai yourself and mma so you've got a bit of an insight into that world is, is this something that you can use for them as well uh yes um i've got uh you know i guess a, a dream scenario would be to have um in the future a facility where um, I could combine both of them yeah. and, and, you know, run a gym that, you know, is uh, whose purpose is to serve young yep. people in this regard. Um, we certainly, everywhere I go, I've, I've got a pretty good network of the gyms in Melbourne now yep. uh, and have a good understanding of, uh, you know, the cultures at most of them and which ones would yeah, kind of sure. suit young people's betterment. And I certainly am referring them left, right and center. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm... I, I guess my personal capacity to be able to affect change on a large scale through martial arts at the moment is, you know, reduced and because we're really kind of pursuing chin up. But as it gathers more momentum and more momentum, that's certainly Mm. something that I want to uh, have a good hard crack at. Yeah, cool. Man, it's it's good stuff. I love hearing about it. I love talking about this stuff too. One other thing I wanted to touch base on is, is your coaching. I've noticed you've you've been in the corner of um you've coached cal a few times not necessarily coaching but you've been in his corner a few times cal potter and raf the cowboy and you've coached a few guys in some professional muay thai fights um what do you love about that love coaching what do you love about coaching fighters um i, I along the line i've realized that um <laughs> that i'm a better coach than i'm a fighter yeah um, which which shouldn't be a real surprise given you know the profession that I've kind of devoted myself to and in essence it is coaching so I think I've got a really good understanding of I'm emotionally intelligent and I under, I've, I've got a good read on people yeah um, and you know part of that is I, I tend to find a way to uh, you know provide instruction in a way that people will uh, kind of grab and and, and grasp in, in the moment mm. um, 
so I enjoy kind of walking with people in that journey. Yeah. Um, some of it's probably vicarious pleasure because I enjoy fighting so much. Yeah. And I'm there and I kind of experience with them. Um, and, you know, I just like seeing people, you know, g- kind of go through that, uh, you know, go through the process. Yeah. I, I just love it. I yeah. love being around it. I love the... Um, I love the relationships that are formed around fighting. I love fighting. I think it's something that's innate to us as human beings. It taps into a really primal part of ourselves mm. that not a lot of people get to experience. Mm. And it's, um, you know, it's. It, it, I think a lot. Some of it's tribal. Mm. You know, being part of part of that that team and squad and going to war together essentially. Like these are these are all things that um, you know I recognize that make me happy. So I just seek it out when mm. I can, and um, and I know I'm good at it. Mm yeah dude that's awesome sweet um before we before we end it um just is there anyone you know you want to give a shout out to or you know where can we find chin up project if people are looking or you know just want to find out more about it yeah i think it's worth giving a shout out to uh two people probably um you know my wife lani williams who uh you know allows me to do everything i do and who uh you know supports and and champions me 100% of the way mm. and I couldn't do that oh, I couldn't do all this without it like mm. I said there's a synergy there's a synergy there that um, you know that affords me the strength and, and the balance to do this stuff but also to uh, Dan Cocker who's the co-founder and um, you know being here and when I talk about chin up I kind of feel like kind of half, half of the conversation yeah. is missing because yeah. we really add like it's it's a complementary partnership yeah. like we add we both add something to the mix so um yeah, you know, both those people really allow me to um, to do this work um, uh, to to the level that we that we do it at. Um, you can find us at chinupproject.com. It's as, as easy as that. Uh, we've got an Instagram page which is uh, chinupproject. Yeah. Uh, and our Facebook page is the Chinup Projects because some bastard had stole our handle. Oh, no. Some guys probably can't even do 10 chin-ups but you know really interested in getting out uh, and doing you know keynote speaking we 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 talk to um, you know professionals who work in the sector um, do motivational speaking also professional development training Um, and I guess being small a small organization we're nimble in terms of program design so if Mm. someone out there has some opportunities they'd like to explore and um, potentially innovate the space then they can get in contact with us and we can give it a crack and it's just use it is at the moment uh so we